49ers 30, Giants 12. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bob Biskin, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And one day we will win a Thursday night football game, but I it's I think it's been like since the Larry Donnell game since the Giants have won on Thursday night football. Um Justin, hey, this game was 20 to 12 in the fourth quarter. Uh this is this is this is a game, Justin, where the 49ers were just more talented, right? And you and this is I think this ties into the Cowboys game where you came out of that Cowboys game so excited for the season. And you didn't look at it as all oh, the season's over, but you did look at it and like, you know what? They are not ready to compete with the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Eagles, right? And I think it's specifically those teams are obviously the top of the NFC, but more specifically that those teams have pass rushes across the board where they have four and guys that can rotate in that are good pass rushers with the Giants' bad offensive line. And they're also spearheaded by defensive player of the year candidates. You know, the top three players for defensive player of the year are Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, and Hassan Reddick. Um, the Giants just up front, especially without Andrew Thomas, without Ben Bredesen, just can't hang with the best pass rushes like this in the NFL. The the What will tell the story on this season is, do you belong with the teams like the Seahawks? Can you win a game versus the Bills or the Dolphins? And can you protect enough to operate on offense against teams that don't have the best pass rush, but have solid pass rushes? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, You know, even for me, this was a little bit of a back and forth emotions wise, this game. It's like, oh, how, how should I feel about this game? Because on one side, you can say, despite so many guys hurting out, the Giants were in this game for a lot longer than they should have been. But at the end of the day, it was never really that close. There was never a semblance of a chance for an offense tonight, an operable offense. You feel good about the defense in some aspects, but then there's a ton of other areas that make you concerned, like tackling, allowing yak, and third down. All three of those things tie into each other inevitably. So in the end, I think this game really hurts because of how close it was at one point. At one point, down by five, down by eight in the second half, like you said. This game hurts because of how close it was at one point, even though it was never really that close to begin with. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense, but it makes sense in my head. Well, there's just a clear talent gap, right? There's a clear talent gap, and the 49ers, like, they played their game, right? They didn't make any big mistakes, and that's kind of what the Giants need to live on, and the Giants need to play mistake-free football, and they didn't do that um, for them to have a chance in this game. Uh, and again, like, and we can get into the schematics and stuff in it, but what's going to tell the story on this, like the four, the Cowboys show, like they, they're not with these teams. Can you, but are you with the, are you better than the Seahawks? Right. And then are you good enough to win versus teams like the bills or the dolphins? Not saying you beat both of them, but win games like that. Um, so, you know, and obviously the Cardinals game, as fun as it was, was a little frustrating because that was a bad team. You shouldn't have. But let me, but let me throw this question at you because you're talking about, well, can we hang with teams like the Seahawks, the Dolphins, the Bills? I think the Bills and the Dolphins are in a little bit of a conversation, different conversation than the Seahawks, but I understand your point. But I, yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying is like, but can you get one from those teams? So, so let me, so let me ask you, do you, do you think they can? Yeah, I do. Okay. I really do. Um, Because it's a shame how we start, like, literally, Bobby, it was, the first game was, what, September 10th? That was 13 days ago? 
and now three games in and, you know, 13, 14 days ago, it's a shame that how quickly we've changed expectations for this season where just 14 days ago, there was the expectation of we should be closing the gap. And now we are snapping our fingers and we are saying, ah, well, I guess we're not going to close the gap, but we should just, I guess, take a step up in beating some of the teams that we didn't beat last year or be the same team that we were last year, even though this team did, and I'm putting this in quotes for podcast people, did make substantial upgrades in talent upgrades. And that's a shame and that sucks. Okay, but they couldn't have done what they did in the like. I don't care how bad the Cardinals are and that how bad that like last year they couldn't have done what they did in the second half of that game. Correct. Yeah. Um, and as much it's so excited as we were for this team, did anybody ever say we're better than the 49ers or Cowboys? We talked about maybe getting one, like get, you know, having a game and beating the Cowboys, but never in my mind like that was. That was the concern for me. It's like I we said it. Like um, we're the clearly the the third best team in the division. Like there's yeah. clearly two teams that are better than us. Doesn't mean you can't win one versus one of those teams, but they're clearly better than you. And we knew the 49ers were as well too. It was just like, hey, what's up with their QB situation right now? Yeah, and being one and two after these first three games, like that was. If you were to tell me that that was going to happen a couple weeks ago, I'm still being like, yeah, you know that that is that the is likely. You got to beat the, the way, Seahawks. Yeah, you got to beat the Seahawks. That's really the it, it kind of feels like the season's on the line next Monday night. Yeah, you got to beat the Seahawks. Um I feel like you don't have to split with the Bills or Dolphins cuz they like, the schedule gets easier after that for the most part. Um but it's like that would be a good like sign for this team to do that. Right. Um let's just let's get into this talking about this game individually though. Uh with the front that the 49ers have in the pass rush. You knew that the Giants had to operate quick game and get yak, and they tried to operate that, and the 49ers kind of knew that that's what the Giants would do. Like, Wandale Robinson and Paris Campbell, their slot receivers, they had 10 catches, but it was only for 45 yards because the 49ers knew that, hey, when they get an 11 personnel and shotgun, that they're going to try and work quick game. That's what we've given up this year. Uh, against you know against other teams that they're going to work the quick game so we're going to pounce on that quick game though and we know that we can pounce on it because their offensive line isn't going to give them time to win when they're not keeping extra protection in um and that's exactly what they did i mean paris campbell averaged half of yard of yak per reception not even a full yard of yak per reception uh i didn't you know i didn't next gen didn't have the wandale numbers but wandale wasn't adding very much yak either i'm i'm actually whenever the yak numbers do come out for the game i'm i'm gonna be that's the first thing i'm that's the first thing i'm looking for on on friday morning is for those numbers because they couldn't get any yak and that was again this was a game where you'd kind of needed that to happen i wonder if they registered enough targets or catches you know usually you gotta for it to be qualified on next gen site you got to register enough catches, so I wonder if that's actually going to be listed. So yeah, Campbell. Oh, I'm just saying when you look at the game, but Campbell was the only, or on ESPN. Campbell was the only one who who registered for that. And hey, when they had the quick game and some, you know, obviously when you're throwing the quick game, you're you're compensating for your offensive line not protecting. Like DJ, and again, this was updated in the game, like in the fourth quarter. So I don't know what the final numbers were, but when he was clean, he was 14 to 17 with 111 yards which sounds good, but still, it's only six and a half yards per attempt, yeah. which essentially is putting you in a situation where anytime you have any mistake on a drive, it screws you, right? 
Gary Brightwell dropped the first drive of the game. Yeah, Gary Brightwell dropped the first drive of the game. Um, Darren Waller had two drops. And for the love of God, can we stop? This is it's like 2020 all over again. Stop making drops interceptions. Daniel Jones, who was like number one and not turning over the ball last year, you're going to go through the first three games of the season, says the guy has four interceptions. Three of them are tipped up by uh, two by Saquon, one by Darren Waller. Um, so when you make mistakes like that and then, uh, you know, DJ missed uh, Darren Waller on that crosser on on third and 11 where he was high. Yeah. Um, there was also like when they got into the when they did try and create big plays. Right. And Dable said in the press concert, conference after like, hey, well, how come you didn't like really create any explosives? Like, well, we kind of tried, but you know protection didn't mess up i mean they were lining up they did just there was a third down where they kept eight guys in the block and john and triple Smith, team bosa and jms gets beat one-on-one by hargrave yeah and they're running a two-man route and because hyatt struggles with press hyatt's getting like pushed into darius slayton and there's nowhere to go with the ball yeah um so it was like even even when you got into those heavy uh you know heavy protections well, guess what? That's more guys in coverage, and they were playing a lot of man coverage, um, and they were still giving up uh, uh, stuff there. And there was also times like early in the game, there was a first and 10. They ran this, the same exact play that Hyatt got the 31-yarder versus the Cardinals. DJ, he, he gets open, and DJ doesn't throw it. Now, he had pressure that was coming. He didn't have immediate pressure that stopped him from throwing it, but he doesn't throw it. And it's just, again, like, like we said at the top, the Giants don't have the personnel up front to win versus, versus these teams. Yeah. Versus these teams, like I said, they are very specific at the top of the NFC, where not only do they have great pass rushers across the board, but they've got great pass rush. They've got the top. They each have one of the top three defensive player of the year vote getters this last season, and Bosa, Parsons, and, and Reddick. Uh, obviously, Bosa and Parsons are on a higher level than Reddick. Right, but right, still, right, right. But still, they're consistently able to get after it. And guess what? Your seventh overall pick didn't develop, right? And no. we talked about how that being a big swing for this offense. He didn't develop. Andrew Thomas, your all-pro left tackles, injured. Your second-best prote- pass protector in Ben Bredesen. Well, now Shane Lemieux played his first full game since the year freaking 2020 when there wasn't even fans in the stands. Uh, you know, JMS got beat a couple times. Mark Marcus McKeithen's not good. I don't know why... Like anyone watched that Cardinals game and came away pumped about it. Like he was not good in that game. The Cardinals pass rush just sucked. Um, so they just can't operate. And like you said, like if they hey, listen, hey, could they have maybe made this a game and or even one if they don't have three drops? DJ doesn't miss Waller on a crosser, they don't pop up an interception. Maybe, but even then, it even then I, I don't I don't think they do. Right. Like, Right, and that's because why you're, it's so you're, front. You're assuming that's, that they're gonna they're gonna still drive and score and seven points and stuff like that, you know. So you know, and that's why it's so frustrating that you know, even though like you feel like you're there, but you never really felt like you were there, and that's why it's so frustrating. And with the O line, if it's not one guy, it's the other. I mean, there was just zero consistency across the board. Where at least in years past, you can. You can hang your hat on, all right, we know the pressure is going to come from the right side. You know, we know that Nate Solder's just going to be that bad guy. Even last year, you know the pressure is going to come from the right side with Glinsky and Neal. Whereas the first three games of the season, it's just been, 
anywhere. They're, it's coming from anywhere and everywhere. And, and that's really, really super frustrating. And man, Bobby, th- there were times even in 2020 and 2021 where we criticized Garrett and Judge. And we said that just because there's bad old line play doesn't mean that you shouldn't take deep shots. I can't find the play, at least on like first watch, where I'm saying, man, why are we not pushing the ball downfield here? Every play is a disaster up front. And I couldn't believe when I tweeted out at halftime and a guy like Connor Hughes is tweeting out that, oh, the Giants O-line's holding up well. And then I had other fans in my mention citing and uh, Connor Hughes saying that, oh, the Giants O-line was holding up well. They were they were bad the whole game. And it was because of the game plan that was keeping Daniel Jones upright. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The, the spin zone of the Giants offensive line from their first half. They were bad. It was a disaster from start to finish. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that that stat is a stupid thing to say saying though i mean one use your fucking eyes like that that's that's a good start and two why do you think out of 22 completions 10 were to slot receivers oh and and what three were to it's five were to backs one was to daniel bellinger in the flat you have one outside receiver who were, were got a catch and Darius Slayton, you know, and one of and one of them was like, you know, they were thrown and they tr- and they tried like DJ had two deep attempts, you know, you got the Waller pass interference, there was another Waller target, um, you know, they w- tried to work some back shoulder to Slayton, and then again there was other times where they schemed stuff up where they just couldn't even protect even with with eight, seven and eight man protections and then there were other times where DJ you know passes up a high that was open. Yeah. The offense where, is inoperable with this offensive line. Uh the Giants, teams like this. Yeah, ver- verse teams like this. And Andrew Thomas, come on. Let's come on. Get back man for Seattle. Um I I trust that he will. Um probably probably a smart move keeping him out anyway. The Giants probably Giants maybe even maybe even in their head planned out. All right, we're going to be one and two after the first three. <laughs> Special especially after losing 40 to nothing to Dallas. The Giants, well, and this is from Doug Analytics, our friend. Giants' longest drive lasted five minutes and 26 seconds. I believe that was the opening drive of the game, which, you know, hey, the cleanest and you know most scripted drive of the game is that first drive of the game. No other Giants drive was longer than three minutes. Um, you know, just the, you're, you're not giving yourself a chance on offense when you're leaving yourself in the third and longs, and then you're relying on throwing the ball deep down the field where there's no time to throw the ball deep down the field. Uh, you're also not giving your defense much of a shot either. Um, they also had their own problems getting off the field. The 49ers had six drives longer than four minutes as well. Let's let's talk about DJ a, a, a little bit more, too. Why don't you talk to us about something, and then we'll talk about ah, DJ. Ah, okay. I'll talk to you about By something. By the way, uh, per the chat, Doug Analytics, again, the wa- Giants wide receivers had um, 19 yards of yak. Brightwell had 22, obviously, so, that, so I guess there's some in there. But the receivers had 19. Waller had six. Um, I want you to guess how many, f- and this is this includes tight ends, everything, running backs, everything. So the 49ers had 441 yards, passing yards in total today. How many of that came after the catch? 229. A that's, a, that's a good guess. It was 201. So about a little under half. That's not great. Um, 
It's one of it's one of the one of the things that you know even despite if you have bad offensive line play, Bobby, one of the things that we really thought would improve this year just because of Jimmy's and Joe's, Paris Campbell. You know, Wanda Robinson's first game back. Not going to put too much on him, but Paris Campbell, Darren Waller. These guys, these all these guys are supposed to be yak like yak guys and just athletes that just do what they got to do, and they're not doing it so far this year. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. Public service announcement: PSA. Some say. If you didn't already know, Manscaped now sells beer products. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming changed the game with their brand-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Now they're going a step further with their brand-new Handyman. I don't even have the Handyman in the box anymore, Bobby, because look at how clean-shaven I am. I used the Handyman before we hopped on. I figured the rest of my face looks like shit because I'm getting over being sick, and I've had a fever for the last two days, and I'm very tired right now, and I'm running on adrenaline. So I'm like, all right, well, let me at least make the Handyman look my face Look nice and sharp with a clean-shaven look. If you're like me, you know clean-shaving is a hassle. The Handyman is the perfect compact tool I could take with me on the go to achieve that clean-shaven look without all of the effort. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. When you use code GIANTS, hit the refresh button with Manscaped. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Um, here's my, here's my DJ note. It's like, again, something that like goes both ways. Part of my brain thinks you can't have the dichotomy of having sick throws like the Gary Brightwell won the first drive of the game where, you know, he's rolling out to his right. He's improvising and then Brightwell, you know, smart IQ play. He breaks off and then boom, it's like a, it's like a 15 plus yard play, right? And then you miss Waller later in the game, who is so big and so massive. I feel like you can't have that dichotomy, especially now that we're a $40 million quarterback. It also really just sucks that Jones barely gets the opportunity to throw from a clean pocket for longer than two and a half seconds, that anytime he does get it, it's a play the Giants offense needs to have or else it's a major missed opportunity. I think both things can be true. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, there's just no margin when you're playing. And again, I want to keep it in the context of playing teams like the San Francisco 49ers, because this is not a this is not a season long conversation. There's no margin of error. Right. So right. like that throw to Darren Waller, Brian Dable said it, you know, Brian Dable, who never like gives any type of criticism at press conference. Said, he said yeah, it was a little high. It was an overthrow. Um, Kirk Herbstreet, for some reason didn't think it was and it like just mm, gave everyone the war. gave everyone the green light to be like okay let's go um but it was an overthrow uh it was you know on Darren Waller's fingertips um but running at full speed across the field you can just leap like you're not yeah. like you got to anyways whatever. and that's also you a play overthrew. we're on a third but it's not but it shouldn't be that big of a deal to have one overthrow um and then also like now the other thing, but here's the thing with Jalen Hyatt though, because there's a, and whenever all twenty two comes out, it'll, it'll be shown, and maybe I'll even, and maybe you know what, I can grab the clip from um, is you're gonna look at him like he should have thrown this, um, and that is something that Jones is we saw it after the Arizona game and talked about how it changed. with Hyatt, you are going to have to put more trust in him than you do any other receiver you ever had. He is not going to be someone who it's like okay when he stacks the corner you can throw it to him deep. Or when this safety doesn't, he is someone that when it's like, you got to let it go because you just have to trust he's going to win because he's going to win on those, right? So that is that is like the 
if there's one criticism coming out of this game, because I'm not going to lose my mind over fucking one overthrow at Waller. Like, criticism exactly. with coaching. With no, I'm saying with Daniel Jones specifically. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, is like, hey, you gotta you gotta trust that Hyatt's gonna get open deep because he does. So even right. if it's not open, like at like you have to trust, like, hey, as long as like the safeties aren't totally bailing, like he's gonna he's gonna win that because he does. So that's if there's one criticism of I have of Daniel Jones coming out of this game, it's that. But I mean, I don't think anyone. If you're coming out of this game and being like, man, fucking Daniel Jones, like I think you're out of your mind too. Yeah. Um, now, the one criticism that I have with coaching this game is why wasn't Hyatt on the field more even to be used as a decoy and demand attention? Because you made, you know, you you felt the need to make an entire separate video of a film breakdown last week and kind of like in lieu of a mailbag. But you felt the need to do that video because you felt it was so important to highlight Jalen Hyatt as a weapon and Jalen Hyatt as some as somebody who's going to influence a defense and what they have to do and how they have to defend, right? So even if there's not a plan to, all right, Jalen Hyatt breakout game, here we go, average depth of target, 25 yards, you know, you're not going to have the time to do that. But regardless of, you know, whether you're throwing him the ball or not, you have to respect Jalen Hyatt's deep speed. And then you, you know, the theory is, is that Jalen Hyatt on the field running deep routes will open up things underneath, which will therefore help the quick game. That is the only critique that I have of coaching. This offense was inoperable because of the front that they were facing with the 49ers and because of the offensive line. That's why it was inoperable. Not anything coaching did, you know, maybe having Hyatt in there for a few more snaps would have led to a couple more first downs. I don't think it would have led to like two more touchdowns for the Giants. I agree. Like Hyatt needs to be on the field more, just be, like you said, because he he makes an impact that just other guys on this team don't do. So Hyatt needs to be on the field more. Um, I also kind of the I think where the point of view where they're coming from is like, hey, there, despite as much as a threat he is, there still is a a lot that has to be cleaned up on his game, right? Like we talk about that eight man protection they had, and you see Wall or Hyatt and Slayton running into each other. Well, that's because Hyatt is bad against press. Like he he can't be he right now he just can't beat press. Um now again, you there's ways to game plan against that. So like that's not an excuse to not put Hyatt on the field at all. And it's like he's not great at the quick, the short, and intermediate routes, right? So he can, he needs to get better in those areas. But I agree he needs to play more. My other my only other coaching critique on the offensive side is the Bosa sack. Oh, yeah. That is, I want to hear the explanation against that. And this is why. It's not simply, oh, why is Bellinger on Nick Bosa, right? Because the idea is not to have, oh, Bellinger, go just block Bosa. The idea is to block him for a half a second, squeeze him down, and then release. DJ's on the play action. And then you have Shep and Bellinger there, right, to throw the ball quick, even though you know, hey, you know, Bosa's coming after you, but you got that second to do it. Where I don't understand it is Bellinger's detached from the from the uh from Bosa and they're play actioning the opposite way. So Bosa's on the inside of Bellinger and they're going that way. So Bosa, no matter what, his first step is going to be away from Bellinger, and Bellinger's just not close enough. So if you're gonna you can run that, I have no problem if you run that exact same play. Just don't detach Bellinger from the tackle. 
Because you're not asking him to block Nick Bosa. You're asking him to block and release Nick Bosa. And to me, that was just like, that's that was really bad. Like, I just don't understand. Again, maybe that's maybe that's Bellinger. Maybe Bellinger screwed that up, but I don't think Bellinger just lined up in the wrong place. I don't I don't understand what the thinking was on that. That so that is besides the Hyatt stuff, that would be the other thing I have. Even and also down, I know down at your own goal line the, too. Huh? Down at your own goal line too. Yeah, that's the other thing. Oh, it could have been a safety. The uh, I know people will say, Oh, you should have ran the ball more, but I'm sorry, I'm not I am not clamoring for a team that hasn't given up a 70-yard rusher in 30 games to hand the ball off more to Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell. Um, They had eight carries for 22 yards, less than three yards per carry. The touchdown was eight yards, and it was a wham, like, trick-type run play that they got, like, in the – they got – you know, they ran that in the preseason. So the rest were seven carries for 14 yards. Um, Again, they have not given up a 70-yard rusher in 31 games now. I didn't think Matt Breed and Gary Brightwell behind this offensive line were going to be the ones to buck the trend on that. I agree. Um, we've got we've gotten pretty far into this episode when we get we haven't talked about the defense yet. Do you have anything else on the offense? Uh, no, no. The biggest test is the next one, as always. Well, the biggest thing, the biggest test is how much things are heating up in the ballpark. Every team is playing to finish the season strong and make it to the playoffs. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment of the baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at sweet payday with DraftKings same-game parlays. String together multiple bets for a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code WORLD. New customers can bet just $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 in baseball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with Code World. The crown is yours. Gambling Pond, call 100Gambler. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, L.A. Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility, terms, responsibility, gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Be glad you did. Hey, Shula, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Okay, the, the story of the defense is not being able to get off the field on third down. Did you know? Justin and I was I was watching the next gen broadcast, which I kind of love because I'm actually able to see routes develop and what's yeah, watch happening it every on the week. Secondary. Um, it was the highest blitz rate in the next gen era. They were blitz eighty four percent of the time, and honestly, I love it. We yeah. we compl- we bitched and moaned about the Cardinals game, like whoa, wait, why is Wink not blitzing? No, he gave us the middle that. finger. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Wink, for giving us the middle finger and blitzing, doing what you do, doing the, uh, you know, coaching the way that this team was assembled to be coached. Now, here's the thing. They couldn't get off the field on third down. 49ers were 9 of 16 on third down. They beat them on screens three times. Uh, you know, you had on that touchdown drive, you had a third and 15 and a third and 13. The, the, the 49ers got 47 yards on those plays for screens. Um, but I'm not going to blame coaching for that. 
I'm going to blame players, right? And I went through the third downs just to show you, to see what happened. So they were in third and longs, Justin. Like, just the successful third downs were an average of third and 7.3, and that includes a one-yard QB sneak. That's like, that's like, that's high, right? And I went through it. I went through all the third downs before the last drive. First drive of the game, third and five. They blitz Deontay Banks for some fucking reason, just gives Debo Samuel the slant. Just gives it to him. Then you have a third and eight. Hawkins gets beat on a Jennings slant, and McKinney is like supposed to take that underneath. And McKinney is just like, he's like playing QB spy on Brock Purdy while you're blitzing him on third and eight. I don't know what that is. Then you have a QB sneak. You have a third and 10. You got off the field, but Deontay Banks, an interception goes right through his hands. No one pulling at his arms or anything. Then you have a third and eight stop. Then you have a third and 15 screen. All three of the blocks were perfect. And I don't, and, and the next, the next block that Deontay Banks gets off will be his first in the NFL. You have Bobby Okereke just allowing the guard to block him. And Pinnock is actually playing as strong. Well, guess what? They just goes the opposite way of Pinnock and gets the first down. Then you have a third and 13 where Simmons is held, right? So, that's not their fault, but Okereke. Okereke is coming across the point, and he just, like, runs into a block. He, like, slows down to, like, to take on a block instead of just screaming at it. Um, now, I think you can be coached better against these screens because you know they're coming. They've been coming for, you know, 19, ga- 20 games now. You have a third and five. Ronnie Bell, seventh-round rookie, beats Deontay Banks for a touchdown. But not the first time that Ronnie Bell's beat Deontay Banks for a touchdown. He did it at Michigan, too. Like, that was inside leverage. You should have, like, Banks, you can't lose that. You can't. You're way too athletic. It wasn't even a good route that he ran. He just ran a quick, he ran an out uh, an out route. Third and 12, they give Leonard Williams a rough in the passer. Bullshit. Then you get a third and eight stop. Then uh, Deontay Banks is injured. So third and four, Darnay Holmes holding. What's new? Can't blame the coaching staff for that happening. That's just a Darnay Holmes issue at this point. Then third and eight, you get a bullshit cave on penalty where he was, they gave, you know, illegal uh, touching downfield or whatever. He was within five yards. Then you get a third and goal stop. Then you get a third and 17 stop. And then on third and two, the only time where I don't understand what was going on, they had Chris McCaffrey in the slot. They run some zone. And for some reason, they're just not covering the out route on that. So again, tell me which one of those plays that coaching really screwed up on that. It was the players. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I usually Coaching don't like got them into those third and longs. Oh yes, one hundred percent. Um, you know, I I don't like to harp harp on officiating, but Sean Hockley and his crew could definitely eat shit too. Um, there you go. That's done with that. I don't like analyzing or talking about a, a officiating. I think it's stupid. Uh, this is the, and this is according this is according to our friend Walt WBG eighty four first time since twenty nineteen that the Giants gave up multiple first downs on one drive on third and thirteen or longer, uh, and since twenty nineteen, uh, which hey if you're being compared to that twenty nineteen defense that just allowed explosive play after explosive play that's never it's never a great sign. Um, you know you talked about it you know at the top of the defense eighty four point six percent blitz rate. You know, next gen calculates it different from PFF and probably different from Pro Football Reference, but this is what we got to work off of right now. We what we asked Wink Martindale to do is we asked him to dictate the terms of this game. And I love that. And Wink Martindale one hundred percent did that. It's what we wanted him to do. And he like Wink Martindale and the the game plan 
kept the Giants in the game. What took the Giants out of the game is their inability to get the get off the field in third down, allowing yards after the catch, and not being able to make a fucking tackle. And all three of those things are connected. And the tackling thing is weird because last year they were one of the best tackling teams in the NFL. Like I think they might even been number one in like you know having the best missed uh, you know least amount of missed tackle rate. This game, like, and this is becoming a trend with McKinney. You, I mean, go back even to the playoffs. McKinney just misses these tackles, and one, and he's also getting owned by good tight ends and man coverage. Where it's like you, we want you to be a guy that wins those battles sometimes. You know, yep. um, Trey, like that that run they had, like where Trey Hawkins, like they get it on the edge, and Trey Hawkins just like ducks his head, and they run right past him for a fifteen yard game. The Debo Samuel was in the second half, probably the fourth quarter, where he just goes fucking beast mode. Yeah, Troy Hawkins he goes up high and can't bring him down. Troy Hawkins is diving at ankles. It's like, you know, dude, what, what, where's this guy that I watched at Old Dominion that just wanted to go out there and kill everyone? You know, he, he even did it in the preseason where he was tackling people, bringing guys down to the ground. Did it week one against Dallas. Why, why are we diving at ankles? Why are we diving at Debo Samuel's ankles? Like, why are we not wrapping up? You know, hit, hit the fucking legs. You know, Stru- hey, call it dirty, but that's how you're going to bring these guys down. Diving for ankles and falling down on your face. It, it's just, it's not good football. It's not good football. Yeah, but I think the bad tackling starts with McKinney because it's becoming a trend. I mean, I don't even want to oh, bring yeah. up Josh Dobbs running him over. Um, but it's becoming a trend that, like, just these bigger dudes are able, like, McKinney, you're a safety. You, you got to bring guys down. Um, and he t- and he, it's, it's strange for McKinney because I, I think after his – the end of his rookie year where I was kind of expecting him to be way more of a physical safety, like at Alabama, I'm thinking, oh, McKinney's going to be a physical safety, maybe even like an, maybe even like an in-the-box guy. And then as the years kind of went on, he showed to be more of a physical safety, and he can be diverse, and he can play in the box, and he can play deep. And even last year, it's like, all right, he really put his stamp. Like, he's a good tackler. And this year, I don't know if it's something – in his head about his hand or, you know, if, if his psyche's just not fully there and fully back, but it's it, the tackling aspect of it has been bad. It's, and, he, and he did have a good game week one, but if you're, you know, you're going up against Jake Ferguson and the Dallas tight ends that aren't as talented as an older Zach Ertz and then especially George Kittle. Yeah. So that's been frustrating the last couple of weeks with McKinney. Um, now you do have to give credit to Brock Purdy too, Right. Like the Giants played the right way with their personnel versus Brock Purdy. Um, and it's not that like he's out there being Patrick Mahomes, and he has misses too, by the way, which is like he has these spurts of inaccuracy. But I think this is why this is why Kyle Shanahan loves him. He he always makes the right decision. Always. Right? So yep. unless you are just able to lock guys up in man coverage, he's gonna make the right decision. Like it, it, he just doesn't make bad decisions with the ball of where he's going. There's balls that are badly thrown, but he just doesn't. And it didn't matter kind of what the, you know, he was able to win versus the blitz. Now he wasn't really pushing the ball down the field a ton, but when he did, he took advantage of, it. you know, the banks touchdown, uh, giving up to Ronnie bell, you know, D- Debo, uh, Samuel, you're working inside leverage on that as a deep throw. Like that was a really good throw and a good catch by Debo Samuel on that, on that little, like, you know, stutter sluggo. That was the um, longest uh, air yard. Com- it was either the longest air yard completion 
or touchdown of Brock Pur- of Brock Purdy's short career so far. And also, it's just so crazy how the Forty Niners the Forty Niners just make scoring thirty points so easy. Brock Purdy well, is now all pros across the entire roster. Brock Purdy has now scored thirty or more points in eight of his ten starts. The Giants have scored thirty or more points three times since December of twenty nineteen. Yeah, and <laughs> Purdy like in. Like Purdy, he seventeen of his twenty five completions were within six yards, and then when he did push down the field, he made the right decision, and and so, sometimes he was inaccurate on it, but he made the right decision on those. And again, they just have they have George Kittle, they have Debo, they didn't have Brandon Ayuk, but then you have Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, you got an All Pro left tackle. Which, by the way, what do you think of uh, Ashawn versus Trent Williams? They should have both been thrown out, and that would have been a win for the Giants. It was actually a pretty smart thing by Ashawn to do like the little, just like little tap in the thing. Like, oh, I'm not going to get caught for that. And then Trent Williams just punches him in the helmet. Um, that was, that was a very weird interaction, but two, like probably like two, the two meanest dudes on each team, right? Like Ashawn's probably the meanest dude on the giants. And then Trent Williams is the meanest dude on the 49ers. Did you hear? I'm going to see if I can look this up. Ashawn Robinson was speaking in Serbian. They asked him a question about like Trent Williams, about like like their history together, you know, because Ashawn played with the Rams in the AFC West. And then he started speaking to the reporters in, in Serbian, according to Charlotte Charlotte Carroll. Wait, what? That's what Charlotte Carroll said. That initially Initially, when Ashawn Robinson was asked about the history between him and Trent Williams, you know, because Ashawn played with the Rams, that he initially started answering the questions in Serbian. It's your video of this? I wish. I haven't seen the video, but Charlotte Carroll's a very trustworthy person. I'm very good friends with her now. Spent a lot of time in Detroit together. That's very... I, I, I don't even... Saying... I, okay. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, they they were able to get now, and they and Purdy was under pressure too, right? Like it wasn't just like they were blitzing and weren't getting home. They were like, I actually think the front. Again, I want to rewatch Kayvon because I don't want to criticize him like crazy, but he did have the sack, but obviously that wasn't a good pass rush. They were dropping him back into coverage again. <laughs> I thought the front for the most part did a solid job, especially now Dex. I wanted to see more out of Dex, but Leo had a good game. Yeah, Leo like, showed up. Leonard Williams played good, and I thought they did it well versus the like their their running backs averaged four point three yards per carry. You know, CMC had four point seven, which is good, but compared to the standard that he had been at, it's like a, a yard and a half less than what he's been doing. I mean, the defensive tackles had fifteen tackles in this game, uh, which is a good sign for them. Uh, like I actually think the the interior did pretty good. Like Ashawn Ashawn Robinson included, Nacho included, and Dex. I wanted to see more out of him that we didn't see. Um, Micah McFadden had a coming out party. Oh yeah, McFadden was again. This is coming off a really bad game for McFadden. Most and he McFadden still did miss a couple tackles, which is frustrating with him. But it's just it's just an issue. I wish I wish McFadden was just a little ath- more athletic and a little stronger, and he'd be a good linebacker. Uh, but yeah, he was flying around the field like on a defense on a, like in Okereke. Like I want to see Okereke start to play a little faster because when Okereke plays fast, it's disruptive as hell. But he hasn't been playing fast to start the season. McFadden, at least, is playing fast. And, again, four tackles for loss, ten tackles. I mean, the Giants' leader in tackles for loss last year had seven. McFadden had four in this game. Um, so, like, that that to me means means a little something. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I don't know how much more I have. Um, I have some stats on yards after the catch above expectation, if you want to hear that. Uh, we got to talk about one more thing before we go, though, and we can put a bow on this. Should I talk to you about it? Talk to us about it. Oh, Bobby Tell the people Skinner. about it. I'll tell the people about it. Great news. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. If you're losing your hair, if your hair's getting thin or if it's falling out because you're watching this Giants team every single week, well, don't worry. Nutrafol, they got your back. They're the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through a whole body health approach. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months of taking Nutrafol's men's hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code TALKGIANTS. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men, and enter promo code TALKGIANTS. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code TALKGIANTS. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. 49ers fan or find the clips of me saying that Trent Williams should get an indefinite suspension be kicked out of the league and taking it seriously. Always love that. Oh, here's something. Here's no, here's something like I've always said. Like when you're on social media and you see something like that, just kind of just take five seconds and be like, hey, maybe that person's not a total idiot and is making a, a joke. Anyways. Did you say Debo Samuel shoved Laura Young and then Laura Young shoved her shoved him right back? I didn't see that. Yeah, I I clipped that up. I was like, kick him out. Not only shoved the Giants coach, shoved a woman. Can't have that, Debo Samuel. Lori Young's a bamf. Bamf. Um, What else? I was going to say something else. I was going to say something else. I was going to say something else. Shit. Oh, here's my question to you. There was a lot of good and a lot of bad from the Giants defense. Are you walking away feeling better or worse about this Giants defense? Because I think there's an argument for both. Um, Don't tell me I got to watch the film. Don't tell me that. No, I'm not going to do it. I, I want to see more out of Okereke. Yeah, fair. I, so I, it's not even like as a whole. It's just it's like, okay. And then McKinney. Like, is McKinney just going to be a guy who, when he's facing good tight ends, they just win against him and doesn't make plays? Yeah. Um, so, so I, I'm not – I'm really having th- – this game honestly does not swing really anything for me because every anything to be learned in this game, Dallas kind of already taught us. If this was <sighs> – if we played Cardinals week one and 49ers week two, you'd learn something. It's Again, even with all, like, the pressure up front, you're still missing Andrew Thomas. I'm happy right. that the defense kept us in the game, 
and I'm happy that they showed that they had a pulse. But man, I'm I'm upset in the ways in which they lost. Like that that's the thing that I'm like, damn, like the, like the, it could have been a a more different game if they got off the field on third like the uh, I'm not even asking them, "Oh, well they were really bad on first and second down and they and they averaged 7 yards per carry and oh, it could have been a different game if they did that." It's like, "No, this third and fucking 14. Get off the field." That's what you dream of when they when they're when yeah. they're when you're game planning and you're putting together your how the game's going to go. It's all right, well we're going to get these cats in third and long and then that's when we're going to eat and that's when we're going to go to work. And they didn't. And that's the thing that sucks and then that's also the thing that separates Kyle Shanahan from the rest is he'll still figure out how to have an an average depth of target of 4 yards and still have 200 yards after the catch. <laughs> Yeah, and with the screens, with the screens individually, like or specifically, that is something the Giants have to like practice, right? It's like, yeah. hey, what are your what are your lanes? Like, like, like it's a, I'm serious. Like, it's like it's a punt. Like you're like you're punting the, because you're put in a bad situation where hey, you gotta. It's not all in front of you because you're you want to blitz and you should blitz, but you have to figure out like, I'm telling you, if that that third and fifteen one. If Okereke just plays it aggressively on the inside of that uh, Banks, Pinnock plays it aggressively on the outside, they probably don't convert it. You know? Mm-hmm. So, like, figure out what your lanes are and get aggressive on it, which, again, I know it's tough because you don't know who's going to be pulling out and stuff. Um, but you got to practice against that stuff to get better at it. And it's and- not a new thing against Wink Martindale. I mean, that's something that I th- I'm pretty sure when Wink, when Wink Martindale was hired that we talked about that. Yeah, it's consistent. It's just this was happening. I I don't know if they were of like if they struggled against screens in Baltimore, but we just knew that because of how much man coverage and because of how blitz heavy Wink was, that teams are likely to run screens against a Wink Martindale defense. So this is nothing new for his defense, and it's not just a Giants problem. It was a, it was a Ravens thing too that they had to worry about. So that's so Raven. Um, that is so Raven. What's the schedule? Tell tell me the tell me the YouTube schedule. Tell me the pod schedule this upcoming week. So the O line report, I think I might get out for Saturday, um, and then I'll soon print out the film review Monday morning, and then we'll have a mailbag out Tuesday, and then we'll be back to a, a preview pod Friday for the Seahawks, and then we have to do Tuesday Thursday Friday because we play Monday Night Football. Why do they give us the long? Like I don't understand why you put Monday Night Football after a Thursday night game. Um. I kind of like it because you get like a little like it's like a mini buy. Yeah, and they need it with all the injuries that they got. Yeah, we need Andrew Thomas back, and, and Saquon's not going to be back for the Seahawks game. By the way, did you see um, what's uh, Rooks Taylor Rooks is that her yeah, name? Taylor Rooks said it's a high ankle sprain. Can only- can our reporters get it together? Taylor Rooks had a conversation with Saquon Barkley. He said, "Yeah, I got a high ankle sprain." What? Are, come on. Yeah. Um, there was something else. I know oh, I'm they, not in the building. I know it's not what I'm doing, but I messaged on, one man. of them and asked them. I was like, "Hey, you got?" I was like, "I don't care if they win this game by 50. You got to ask about that Ballinger play." And no, no one asked him about it. Um. Oh, did you see that the 49ers suspected of Dable calling plays too? Wait, who said that? It was Josina. Josina. Yeah, it was Josina. That's a. Anyways, um, all right, that's 
Uh, do, you, do we got anything else? No. No, that's it. All right. Uh, so we'll be back for your, the next podcast. will be Tuesday. Obviously, there'll be content in between then. Uh, so we'll have a mailbag out and make sure to ask. What will be the most asked question for the mailbag? Probably the line. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll have a mailbag out Tuesday. We appreciate you guys. Have a good weekend. Enjoy some football. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.